39th episode of the OpVag cast, and we are here today to celebrate the year that was 2016 because I think everybody can agree, probably the best year ever. Yeah, it was, it was a year. <laughs> the silence. I mean, come on. Nothing bad happened. Uh, with me today, uh, of course, we got Stephen Coleman. Hey, it's been a while. Mm. Has it ever? We got uh, Sean Glennis. I I didn't get small, Steve. It's the podcast that got small. Oh my God, Jake Trapeel is here. Hootie tootie, oh, disco cutie. Got a real disco cutie. And speaking of disco cuties, he's got an aardvark penis. Uh, Jack Eason's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here, and that aardvark's gonna want it back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and, of course, uh, the ying to Jack's yang. He's got a little tiny acorn that he calls his dick. It's Adam Myros. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought I had escaped the insult of this rare instance. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? That's what I look for. Uh, Adam Myros has an acorn going, penis is my fucking mantra. Do some hot yoga while chanting that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, well, happy 2017, guys. Yeah, it's great. It's really yeah. awesome. How long have we been doing this for? How long have we been doing the podcast now? Is this year three? Uh, four and a half. Fuck, really? No, it hasn't. Has it been that long? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. The podcast? What are we doing with our lives? Oh, wait, wait. No, the, not the podcast. The site has Just been the four website. and a half years. Okay, wow. The podcast right. has been two and a half years, I think. Man, Optimism Vaccine is yeah. almost old enough to go to kindergarten. Yeah, two and a half podcasts. And yet, podcast yet we haven't just... broken the 30s. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, in our cat. defense, we did decide because we were so successful, uh, you know, immediately after starting the podcast to have like 27 spinoff shows. So, <laughs> you know, if you add them all together, we got a pretty big body of work, but all things That's considered. True. Anyway, yeah, a lot of people don't know that um, Ram Kaman isn't the central Optimus Vaccine podcast. Yeah, that could that could also explain our declining listenership. Um, <laughs> wow. So. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! Just dragging all you motherfuckers through the mud. Listen, yeah. the only people that listen to this are random guys who add me on Facebook, and uh, I think a bunch of Tears for Fears fans. So, <laughs> no, seriously, in the last week, I've gotten like three complete strangers with no mutual friends who have added me on Facebook, but they all like just talk about movies nonstop. So I assume that they're are listeners, they maybe. Cleavage? Are they cleavage bots? No, that's what I was thinking. I was like, cool, some fuck bots. And I was like, no, this is just a guy with a goatee. Mm, damn. So they're like MRA bots? No, not that kind of goatee. <laughs> Definitely, uh, I owned a couple Aeropostale t-shirts in my day, that kind of goatee. Oh, okay. Anyway. That's, that's the life that we're living. Anyways, we're going to use this podcast to basically kind of recap the year, but instead of doing the thing where we're like, oh my god, the best movie of the year was Moonlight, we're going to save that shit for Oscar time. And instead, we're going to try and focus on things uh, that are a little bit, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, a little bit different, a little bit off the beaten path. So this Steve, is Steve. Kind of- I'm I'm glad you made a point to highlight how insipid the content is that we are going to be running in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, who's saying that? Like, no, no, listen, that's that's what we're. Voice is that. That's who also really likes Moonlight. <laughs> that's that was you. 
<laughs> I've been working on that Sean Goodis impersonation Spoiler for all of 2016. I wanted to debut it tonight. You just ruined it. Uh, no, we are, we are going to talk about Moonlight and uh, Manchester by the Sea and uh, Ryan Gosling, Jazzman, and all the other ones. Uh, but not not today. Today's not the day for that. We've got more important things to talk about. <laughs> Boy, do we ever have some things to talk about. All right. So I'm going to go through and I want to start with... Wait, 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 wait. Can I, can I interrupt you, yeah, Steve? Sure. Can we do um, an old-fashioned um, version of what are you drinking? Uh, yeah, what, what, what are you drinking? Since Sean? all six of us are here. Um, I, I'm I'm drinking Tart Side of the Moon by Brewery Vivant. What oh about you? Oh, my God, you fancy motherfucker. What am yeah, I drinking? Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking um, ice water out of a large novelty Jack Daniels bottle. <laughs> Ooh, aged. <laughs> Which is incredibly stupid. Oh, I'm like a, a teen celebrating something. <laughs> How about you, Coleman? What are you sipping on? I'm drinking Tapwat Brewing Company's Grape Memory Kombucha. Oh, God. What are and you doing I think it's going to kill me by the end of this podcast. You fucking hipster drinking your mold good right now. <laughs> you know, you can make that yourself, man. There's floating yeasts in it. You know what you should oh. do? Just uh, just fill a pot with water and leave it in the sink for like a week. <laughs> and then just let all those little food bits and shit get in it when you rinse off other dishes. And you should then probably leave a dirty sock in there as well, right? Yeah, that's how you make kombucha. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Marius, how about you? Uh, Diet Coke. What the fuck? See, th- <laughs> see, this is the problem, Sean. This is this is when you spring this real, on us. Real men drink Dr. Pepper 10. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, well, this this was coming to see. Sean's drinking a really cool beer. And That's not what I was trying to do. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like all six of us are here. It might be fun. <laughs> and it turns out you got, Jack, what about you? Me, I see you. You sprang it on me, so I'm drinking. I'm just drinking tea. But uh-huh. I, can, like, I got some like Duclaw pumpkin. <laughs> stuff oh my god! Hey, this, we're I, falling into Sean's trap. And I this, Sean, I had, this, I had this Southern Tier Xmas beer that I've been drinking. It's very tasty, thank you. But I'm not having one right now. Mm-hmm. The two Xmas. Yeah. yeah, that one. All right. Well, oh Jake is god. drinking water, so we can move on. You know what? I'm gonna I, wait. Before we move on, I'm gonna tuck my dick between my legs and waddle around a bit while I sip on this pomegranate spritzer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you fuck me, John. <laughs> I just thought it was a deleted scene from ET. <laughs> ET. <laughs> you know, he walks around. He's got something tucked. <laughs> I mean, I. I it's going I for Buffalo thinking, Bill, but yeah, okay, I, I easy, yeah. Those guys are ruining Buffalo. my childhood. <laughs> I mean, other than like nah. five years between the two movies, what really is the difference between E.T. and Silence of the Lambs? Both no terrified me. E.T.'s far more terrifying. Mm-hmm. There are more walkie-talkies in E.T., I believe. Mm. It put the phone in the basket so I can call home. <laughs> All right, this is actually a great transition. Watch how we're going to do this. So, uh, Jack, since you mentioned E.T., uh, I, I know you actually just watched that movie for the first time two hours ago. Uh, was there any pop culture that you found this year that wasn't from 2016 that you sort of you discovered out of nowhere? <laughs> I insinuated that you watched E.T. for the first time two hours ago, which may or may not be true. I can't prove it, but I don't know if you can was prove not. it. <laughs> that was a stupendous segue. That's <laughs> one for the books. That's right. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're yeah. Pop culture. I discovered. Um, I 
I feel like it's probably not pop culture in one way. It's probably more, you know, straight up niche weird stuff. But mm-hmm. whatever. Do we we draw a distinction? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to redress one wrong from last year because last year, uh, Steve, you you smeared the reputation of unfriended. I, I in did. This very equivalent podcast. I probably I did. I don't I actually wanna... remember it, but yes. <laughs> you did. You, you, you smeared the fine reputation of a, of a film called Unfriended, which uh, I just want to rectify that by saying I kind of enjoyed it. So, oh, God. I wish... that. And, it, and it is better than Open Windows, which was another one of those uh, desktop weird <laughs> things. <laughs> Open Windows? Oh God! Is it better that one, than Secret Window? That one did star uh, Elijah Wood and, of course, Sasha Gray. Um, the porn star? Yeah. Well, she she'd got out by then, I believe. But yeah, um, oh, that's a really bad movie. If you ever want to see it, uh, Unfriended is better. So uh, I just wanted to redress that as something that's some pop culture. I because I did actually discover Unfriended in 2016. Um, mm. So you know that that's something. But. Um, I discovered a couple of really interesting things, too, alongside that. Um, I'm not sure which one. I, I got that whole Alan Clark box set, so I've been digging into that. That's kind of amazing. I've been a huge Alan Clark fan for years and years and years. And then the British Film Institute were like, it was really difficult to see anything from Alan Clark. And then they just released a 13 Blu-ray set of nearly everything he ever made at the BBC. So I was kind of swamped there. That was kind of nice. Um but the one thing that I thought was actually really interesting that I think uh, you guys might also enjoy was kind of um, two films I watched completely separately that kind of felt like proto-American new wave films. Uh, those would be Pit Stop by Jack Hill and uh, Model Shop by Jacques Demy, the French director. It was his first American film. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both films that just feel they both were made in the late 60s, I think 67 and 68 respectively, and they just feel an awful lot like the kind of films that marked the the early 70s, those kind of road movies, kind of existential male angst movies. Um, Both really good films. So for anyone who's kind of really into, you know, Five Easy Pieces, Tulane Blacktop, those kind of films, Pit Stop certainly is completely hmm. car-oriented. Model Shop just has a lot of footage of people driving. It's, it seems to predict the, the fascination with the road. It's um, not a musical, though? Not a musical at all, although it is nominally a kind of sequel to Demi's first film, Lola. Um, it follows uh, Lola shows up in this film. So uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Jacques Demi's films, in, uh, he kind of had this universe he built where people films were related by characters would drop in and out of them. And it's kind of like a different... Well, kind of films. like Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, his his films they mostly they they would work entirely independently to the most part, but you would see connections of the more of them you watch. So, Model Shop is his first English language film shot in Hollywood. Weirdly enough, would have had a early like first starring role for Harrison Ford, but the producers nixed that. So uh, Harrison Ford had to wait a little bit longer to get his first major role. Um, but really interesting films. They just kind of uh, track guys, young troubled male protagonists. Um, Pit Stop is shot in like a stock car racing on the figure eight circuit. It's just full of crashes. It's kind of like a genre film. It's Roger Corman produced, but Jack Hill, as he said, wanted to make a, he was good. He had to make by Roger Corman's design, had to make a, a racing movie because those are commercially viable. So he asked if he could make an art house racing movie and he kind of managed to get away with it. It's, <laughs> it's not a feel good ditzy little film. It's a really interesting uh little piece of work about selling your soul for success and then model shop is kind of about a guy trying to avoid the draft and just driving around uh, hollywood and los angeles 
So for people, like I say, who are interested in uh, American New Wave, like Scorsese, Malick, um, so on and so forth, Francis Ford Coppola, Pit Stop and Model Shop are two completely unrelated films that are kind of un- are kind of related in that way. And I kind of happened mm. upon that in 2016 without anyone. I'd never heard anyone else mention this before, so it's kind of a weird find for me. Those, that's a too. very, very good, well thought out answer. Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, I, you sprang it on me, and I mean, I just finished ET, apparently. So there you go. <laughs> Listen, I, I got a, I got another question for you. Did you specifically mention Unfriended? Because uh, earlier today, someone in our in our little Facebook chat group said that uh, the only way that this year's podcast recap would be any better oh, would God. be if we didn't talk about poop. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I look. I. I I'm laying down the line here. I enjoyed Unfriended. Okay. Laying down the line, laying down the cable. Yeah, fuck you guys, basically. And Nine Lives isn't that bad either. Oh, okay. God. Oh. We're, we're, we're going to have it out on the uh, on the shittiest movie of the year podcast that we're going to do later. What are, you, what are you talking about? The Oscar podcast. Nine Lives <laughs> yeah. is going to speak. I mean, how many, how many award-winning or award-nominated actors, actresses, uh, production people are involved in Nine Lives? Probably a staggering amount. <laughs> Well, I feel not ge- the not the special effects team, that's for sure. No, no, I feel Jennifer Garner has to get one for just good sportsmanship. <laughs> Is there yeah. an Oscar for that? There should be. Well, and I we'll, we'll talk about that movie more. But like, I, I mean, uh, another on another Vigny podcast got one from Brown, Brown Bunny. <laughs> The one thing I can say about Nine Lives, and it's it's something pretty admirable, is Kevin Spacey's a guy who really likes to phone it in sometimes, and this is just like a new level of phoning it in for him, and it's 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 pretty beautiful. Like he literally just lays in a bed and doesn't move for about three fourths of the movie. Uh, are, you, are you saying the behind the scenes, like the the little EPK featurettes for the Blu-ray release of Nine Lives, will actually be like unfriended? It won't be a Skype conversation with Kevin Spacey phoning in his cat lines. I, I I would not be surprised. <laughs> uh, Coleman, how about you? How about me? Retro? Um, well, there's two things, if I may. Um, I can't get over not. this uh, 2015 album by the band Stealing Sheep called Not Real. That's all I'll say about that, because that's not really pop culture. Um, but yeah, it's great. Anyway, um, otherwise, I discovered i mean i knew about him but i discovered albert brooks filmography this year um finally got a chance to dig into that because they put it out on uh, netflix and it's um fantastic i mean really quickly uh, lost in america became one of my favorite films of all time hmm. um i really um i guess this sort of feels like a throwaway thing to say but you know, in layman's terms, I guess he could be considered like a West Coast version of Woody Allen. Oh. Um, but less problematic because he hasn't, um, at least isn't an alleged monster quite yet. <laughs> oh, there's still time. There's still time. Sure. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, but, um, yeah, I, like I said, Lost in America is fantastic. Mm. Uh, Real Life, which I had actually seen before, is great. Um, I, I I even like some of his later period films. Uh, Mother with the uh, recently deceased Debbie Reynolds is fantastic. Worth a look-see. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Mr. Glynis, what do you got for me? Uh, um, this year, uh, I have sort of a doozy. Um, uh, early... On in 2016, I discovered a uh, 
Fish New Wave band uh, called Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, otherwise known as OMD. And uh, they made a ton of albums in the 80s. They, they, yeah, from like 1980 to 86, they made like seven albums. And um, there's a ton of really, really great uh, pop singles in there. And they, they had sort of this really great string um of albums uh in the early 80s especially that just yeah it, you could just listen to those singles um all day and um they're they're just really wonderful and it's the type of music that that i just don't, i don't understand why i didn't know about them earlier and uh yeah omd british and, uh, pop new wave band I'd like to actually go on the back of that because I agree with Sean, actually. Um, And you actually initially kind of got me to re-listen to them, and I agree. They're fantastic, and Cuff and I actually got to see them them just a couple months ago live. Uh, Yeah. And they they were fantastic. And you guys loved it, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, they were good. I was like 10 beers deep, and uh, they were awesome, and they were old but not shitty, which is really all you can ask for. And and, and yeah. Howard Jones. Yeah, and, oh God, fucking Howard Jones! Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, it, it. I mean, it's hard to to talk about how good they are. Like, I, I would just. I guess the point of this is just to to recommend them. But yeah, I, I think you would be surprised too. It, it doesn't take like a large le- learning curve in in different types of music. It's just like super danceable um, pop singles. Sure, sure. If if they swing by your town, it's worth it to pay the price to go see them. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you Milwaukee for free. <laughs> uh, Jake, how about you, man? Um, I have multiple parts to this answer. Um, one, uh, we lost... Oh, 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 oh. I forgot. Oh. I'm oh, sorry, Jake. Oh, I'm really sorry. It's all right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Real son uh, of a so, bitch. Uh, we had... Um, I'm a conduit, uh, but uh, Sophie was telling me that, that she had an answer for this one and, and that you guys would appreciate, and that was uh, uh, Jean-Paul Balmondo, or um, Jean-Paul Balmondo's body, rather. She doesn't really care about his film work as much as uh, wanting to have sex with him. His, his body? She discovered that in, in 2016. Isn't he just all, like, like spindly and bony and just has a cigarette dra- dangling out of his it's mouth? It's all in the face, my friend. Hmm. He looks perpetually tired. He does. He looks very, <laughs> very tired. Well, you'd be tired, too, if you smoked your body weight and fucking filterless cigarettes. And you were banging French actresses night and day. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a tough life to live. Exhausting. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good choice. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. So I'd always been aware of um, Prince, but I never could really call myself a Prince fan. Like, I'd know When Doves Cry and Little Red Corvette. And then when he passed away, I thought I should take it upon myself to sort of explore his work, and I didn't really get too far. But then Purple Rain was re-released in theaters for a few weeks here in L.A., and I think many other places, and I went and saw it, and I really had a good time seeing that movie, especially in a crowd of people of Prince fans. Um, there's not really much of a plot to it. I don't know if many other people here have seen it, but it's uh, it's a really, really fun concert film, oh. I think. And, uh, yeah, recommend it. It's, yeah. it's a movie. It's got a lot of, a lot of difficult layers to it. Like, there is no way that, uh, what is, what's her name, Apollonia or whatever could get those pants back on just out of the lake when she's skinny dipping. That's- oh, yeah. He convinces her to basically get naked and go jump in the lake, which is not Lake yeah. Minnetonka, but, you know, that's how that yeah. goes. I just uh, other- bullshit on that. <laughs> bullshit artist. Um, the other answer I have, 
I uh, there's two films that like I'd always heard get tossed around as being really good films. They both happen to star Robert De Niro. I thought I should okay sit down and do a double feature, and so I watched Dirty Grandpa. No, and Dirty first, Grandpa and the, the internship. First time ever, I watched. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're cutting into my time, goddamn. Um, I saw the, the yeah, Donald Trump over here. <laughs> Why don't you start that clock over, Steve? Yeah. You got it. You got it. Your minutes are back on, baby. All right, I watched uh, the King of Comedy and Midnight Run. Two amazing oh, cool. films. Yeah, those are very good films. King of Comedy, I don't think gets enough credit for being no. eerily oh. impression about celebrity culture and just being a superb Scorsese film. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Taxi Driver and Goodfellas and Raging Bull, but a King of, the King of Comedy is like up there with his best. And yeah, I, think, yeah, I think it'd make a great double bill actually just with Taxi Driver. They're just great films about weird losers who yeah. kind of suck everyone else into their shitty little lives. Yeah, and Midnight Run is also just a pure delight of a film, um, mainly because Charles Charles Grodin is amazing in it uh, as the guy who jumped bail and Robert De Niro has to take him across the country. They have a lot of a lot of great interplay between the two, and uh, so yeah, those are two pleasant surprises. I was I was delighted to find in 2016 that we're not from 2016. God, Charles Grodin is great in everything he does. Like even if it's something extraordinarily yeah. shitty, he's just great. Just being yeah. there, like, he's the best thing about Cliff. Yeah. His best thing about So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, I haven't seen that. He goes back, wasn't he? He was in real life as well. Wasn't he the, the dad yeah, in the, the Alpha uh, Brooks movie? Yeah. Yeah, he's the father. He's great in that, too. <laughs> hey, before we, uh, before we move over to Myros, uh, can, I, can I tell my, my king of comedy story really quickly? It's very short. Uh, when I was in high school, I had an English teacher, and he was talking about the movie King of Comedy, uh, which I uh, had not seen. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's really good, and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to rent this movie that he's talking about. Uh, so I, I went to Blockbuster or wherever the fuck I went, and uh, I rented uh, the original Kings of Comedy, uh, which is a, <laughs> a film about four black comedians. I was like, this is not what he was – I don't think this is the same thing. Like, this doesn't seem – I was like, I don't, I don't know what he was talking about. I was very confused, and it, it took. I, and, and then after that, I just thought he was an asshole. And <laughs> then it took me a few, a little while, and I was like, oh, okay, wait, there's, a, there's another, there's another movie. So don't get those two confused. You could uh, argue though that that is Spike Lee's best joint. Oh God, <laughs> you'd be an idiot, but you could. Well, it's, it's got DL Hughley about doing a King of Comedy for a Shotgun Wedding. So maybe, uh, maybe you'll see that in the future. Yeah. King of Comedy and the original King. Oh, that would be perfect. <laughs> Steve eventually found a comedy special that spoke more to him in the blue collar comedy. Yeah, that's variant. that's that's more my speed. You know, as much as I as mu- as much as I love that conventional folksy wisdom of Steve Harvey. I just, if you confuse Robert De Niro movies with original Kings of Comedy, you might be Steve Cuff. Hey man! Ooh, great thing about King of Comedy while we're on it. Really, really good uh, soundtrack uh, with Robbie Robertson. Not a whole lot of people know that. Now that I know. The, t- the title track as well? Uh, I don't know. Did he? He did one song that's called like Between Trains. And uh, it's like very synth heavy, but good, good stuff. Anyway, that All was right. more for like my pop culture I found retro, but like from 2012. So... That's well, this is 2016, so get with the program. That's right. No, seriously, man, come on. All right, Myros, how about you? 
Uh, yeah, similarly to Sean, I, I stumbled upon this band called the Otara Millionaires Club, better known as OMC. No, not really. Um, I I was kind of along the same path as Coleman here. I also went through that Albert Brooks stuff and Real Life, which we just mentioned was a, was a big standout for me. I thought it, I had never seen it, and uh, yeah, I think it stands up with the best of. Uh, Woody Allen's comedy work, and it's a great film. Check it out. Uh, I would also say I found a new Christmas classic in uh, the recently released, but not 2016, Krampus. Uh, I really enjoyed <laughs> that film, and uh, yeah, I, I would add it to your Christmas watch list. It's a lot of fun, uh, good old school effects driven horror, and uh, but mostly just uh, good family fun. It's just kind of like uh, Christmas Vacation if everyone. Got murdered by monsters. I was going to say, I you think everybody lot, you dies. You a lot of time to plan that because it's like 360 days till Christmas now. There you that's go. I hope, yeah, I hope that's the last um, vacation movie. <clears throat> is like, they all get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Mikkel Haneke could direct it. It yeah. would be amazing. <laughs> National Lampoon's <laughs> Final Vacation. <laughs> it's a final destination and a vacation national lampoon's vacation crossover i think that's how they kill off clark griswold do, do you think natural born killers and national lampoons could exist in the same universe and then jennifer or juliette lewis could could you know because she was the daughter in christmas vacation she could just come back in they could put it all together <laughs> Yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. they're in the same She's cinematic the kind of, universe for sure. Yeah, I think that I think Clark dies like he gets his head stuck in like a uh, like a roulette machine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it lands on like five black, and everybody wins money at the casino. Listen, listen. <laughs> as long as you can get Randy Quaid, I'm fine. You got to have Randy Quaid. No Randy Quaid, no thanks. Holy, holy oh, this guy shooting in Canada. Yeah, no, I'm just, like Randy Quaid. I was watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which obviously was on TV at some point throughout Christmas. I was just watching it thinking, shit, Cousin Eddie is now more normal than Randy Quaid. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. You follow him on Twitter, that is sad, uh, effectively. He just posts videos with a strobe red light where he talks of just absolute nonsense. He is full on crazy. He's yep. also a Trump supporter, if that means anything. That's not going to help my argument. Like I my argument. Not much of a no, I'm, I'm telling you, it, he's a lost cause. I feel like he is the guy that he played in Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but again, I think he's actually crazier than that. Yeah, and, and that's that's the weird thing with Randy Quaid is he's played a lot of like with oh, no aliens. Yeah, he is that character. But if there were no aliens, yeah, if there were no aliens. Exactly. Randy <laughs> Quaid's actually in one of my favorite SNL sketches of all time, the little scene sore toe sketch. If you can dig that up, it's high, highly make that your uh, retro for 2017. The 1985 sketch with Randy Quaid in a sore toe. I'm adding it to my list. All right, I got I got two quick things that I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is something that I never thought I would really like that much because there, there's certain bands, certain classic rock bands that are firmly in like the dad canon. Uh, and one Bannon. of those, yeah, dad, dad cannons. <laughs> so these are uh, these are bands like, uh, well, just just 
like shitty fucking Aerosmith from the seventies. Like I don't want to hear that. As bad as Aerosmith from the nineties is, like you know, train kept it rolling or whatever. Fuck that shit. Uh, Cheap Trick is firmly in this camp. Firmly. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, they also do something that I don't like when classic rock bands do, which is they refuse to break up and they stay together for just what feels like eons, and they just release bajillions of albums that are all terrible. Now, Cheap Trick put out a couple of okay records uh, in the late 70s and the early 80s. One of those records, In Color, they decided for some reason in 1997 to go into the studio with... uh, producer steve albini and re-record that record because they didn't like the way it sounded which is Hmm. hilarious because it has like i want you to want me and a couple other like hits on it and it was was a big album for them and it's also weird because they don't like the way that one sounds but then they spent like the next decade making some of those poorly produced records i've ever heard in my entire life uh it's amazing it's so fucking good so you have these guys who are like super super old and they re-record this album, and it just has like a whole new like grit and life to it. And it basically feels like a garage rock record before that became a thing in the early 2000s. And I don't think it ever received an official release because you know when you're on a major label, you can't just roll in and re-record a classic album and just toss it out there. Uh, but because the internet exists, it's floating around so you can listen to it. So uh, that was a really cool thing to find. Steve Albini, Cheap Trick, In Color. That's Listen funny that. because my album of the year last year on the podcast was Jamie XX's In Color. So we got to keep up this trend for next year. I thought you were going to say it was like <laughs> a Cheap Tricks uh, album. I think no. Cheap Trick did put out an album last year. Uh, and then my other it thing. It was actually not that bad. Oh my God, you listened to it? <laughs> I, heard, I heard a little bit of it. It's probably better than you'd expect. Anyway, go ahead. If there's one person in the world who I know would say that, it's you, Stephen Coleman, and I respect you for that. Uh, the other thing that I started watching is I have found the apex of trash television and oh my god what wonders gentlemen uh, it is a show on MTV and it's called Are You The One and it is the most beautiful thing I have ever seen in my entire life basically I, mean, I don't know about you but I watch shows like The Bachelor and you know whatever because I enjoy just this bizarre, like, sex-fueled conflict that sort of naturally bubbles up. And, well, and I shouldn't say naturally because clearly they egg them on to do these things. But there's usually some sort of, like, pretense, like, oh, oh, they just happen to get in these ridiculous fights and say horrible things and fuck each other and all this. Are You the One specifically exists to put terrible people in terrible situations so they act terribly to each other? Uh, basically it's 10 women and 10 men and they get put in this house and before they get put in the house, they take a personality test and each one of them has a perfect match according to this personality test. And they basically have to, uh, they all have to find their perfect match. And if they do collectively, they win a million dollars, which is also kind of funny because between 20 people, that's not so great. Uh, (laughs) but what ends up happening is inevitably these are just like, you know, drunk people in their early 20s who are giant fucking idiots, and they all just start getting drunk and fucking each other, but then they have to, like, find their match, and they already hate people, and then it gets even better because eventually, you know, okay, they figure out who their match is, but it could be someone who they've come to despise in the house, and when you find your match, MTV sends you off on, like, this romantic island vacation, so then... Not only do we have the conflict in the house, but then we get cutaways to like two, three people, or two or four people just off on these honeymoons with someone they fucking hate, basically stranded on an island with them. 
It is amazing. If you enjoy just complete and utter trash, I, I cannot recommend it anymore. It's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> so that's my hard sell on an MTV reality show. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and I thought naked dating or whatever would, would be the nadir, but no. nice. Naked MTV dating. brought a shovel and they went even deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the deepest. I mean, no amount of depravity, not naked dating, not bad girls club, nothing else compares to this shit. It is fucking transcendent. Uh, okay. Let's move to some slightly more modern things, I suppose. Uh, you guys have any good uh, TV shows or movies you see in 2016? Mm hmm. Yep. All right, Coleman, go ahead. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay, good. Glad you did. Let's move on. <laughs> Coleman. Sorry, did you, I, I couldn't hear you. Did you say something? Coleman, favorite yeah. TV show and favorite movie in 2016. What do you got? Oof. Well, I had a lot of favorite TV shows this year, um, but I think the one I'm going to bring up is John Glazer Loves Gear. What the fuck is that? I don't. I'm, it just wrapped up its final season, so it started back in October, and it's sort of a satire of like those like gear shows you see on like Nat Geo or just like any show that has like people bragging about like oh the best camping gear to go camping in like Colorado. So the whole premise is that he's obsessed with gear like camping gear, sports gear. And it's it was presented for weeks as it's just going to be the show, just him talking about all the stuff he likes. And it sort of transcends that and becomes like this really weird narrative of how he like ruins his family. And he like <laughs> just kind of, kind of drives himself mad trying to do this gear-based TV show. So it's a comedy. It's fictional. But it's presented as reality. And if you're... Wanting to jump in, you don't necessarily have to go from episode one all the way to the end, even though there is a floating narrative throughout the series. I would highly re- recommend the episode called Dogs, where he talks about like getting gear for your dogs, like collapsible water bowls and leashes, and it just sort of turns from that just him showing off dog gear to him wanting to get revenge on a neighbor who doesn't pick up his dog's shit. <laughs> And he winds up like growing like dog shit tomatoes, and his neighbor he feeds him to his neighbor in revenge, and like his neighbor just doesn't care, so he winds up. But the tomatoes turn out to be really good, so he sells them at a farmer's market. And he what? winds up getting oh, I don't know. What, what channel is this on? It's on True TV, which probably explains why a lot of people don't watch it because it's not uh, Impractical Jokers or Adam Ruins Everything, which is also, I think, a very good show. But uh, and for those of you, for those of you who don't know who John Glazer is, he created and starred in Delocated on Adult Swim. He's been in a few episodes of Girls. He used to be a writer and performer on Conan O'Brien. He's a brilliant comedian. Um, and uh yeah i loved every minute of the show and it's uh, if you're a fan especially of like surreal comedy it's uh worth a shot all right how about a movie you got a favorite movie uh <laughs> ghostbusters answer the call <laughs> i'm glad you clarified i answered the call and i enjoyed it well, yep, that was my yep. favorite one because otherwise I didn't really get around to too many this year. Um, I mean, Swiss Army Man was pretty awful. 
unfortunately. Do you uh, know how many? This is also a spoiler alert for whether you fulfilled your pop culture resolution for the year or not. Mm-hmm. What was what was your was your pop culture resolution to see a movie with a farting corpse? Uh, must have been. I I oh. don't remember. No, I you mean to the, the theater more? <laughs> I need to get to the theater. More. <laughs> you can do that. Our faithful listeners know, and they're keeping oh, tight with that. <laughs> Look, he might have made it to the theater. He just didn't watch anything. Maybe I just didn't like anything. <laughs> or yeah, That's or you just like went and bought popcorn and sat in the lobby. Yeah, it's weird because every time we go out drinking on North Avenue, Steve leaves after like 20 minutes and just stands in the lobby of the Oriental Theater. It's very strange. I made it. <laughs> I made it, man. Here I am. I guess I'll read the marquee again. Did you know it's the same on the front, the left, and the right side? <laughs> wow. That's, that's so, it. I want to give a shout-out to Ghostbusters. Answer the call. <laughs> I want so, that sequel. I enjoyed it, too. All right. but, uh, yeah. I almost I watched it the other end. day, and, and I am a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're just you're just like that uh, that guy from Orange Is the New Black who like cries on his Instagram account holding a copy yeah, of Gordy. like the, fa- uh, the I don't know what what books does he hold up like Gloria Steinem. <laughs> <laughs> See, I worked oh, with a guy who who would not like he he begrudgingly eventually watched the new Ghostbusters, but like he literally could not handle that they were first remaking it and that it was going to be all women and he insisted it was just because it should never be remade at all it wasn't because they were all women but he did mention that they were all women a lot so (laughs) there you go and he eventually watched it and he said it was the worst film ever i mean does does anybody want to see old obese dan Aykroyd in a fucking jumpsuit (laughs) why do you want it's gotta be a mark for that (laughs) Not unless it's a Soul Man reboot. Yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> Just uh, how about a reboot and nothing his but character trouble? And driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> you do the Blues Brothers, but it's actually hypothermia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Blues Brothers, but he has uh, type one diabetes and his feet are turning blue, and he has to have them amputated. We could have Blues Ghostbusters. Bro- you could call it Blues Brothers 2020, just like Blues Brothers 2000. This is a sequel to that. Ah, <laughs> but he like that. he goes blind because of his. <laughs> See, I think they should cross it over with another uh, classic '80s franchise, comedy franchise, Weekend at Bernie's, and just uh, get Harold Ramis involved. Yeah, oh, that would be the best. And they they zap his grave, and then he comes back up, and then they walk around him. Look, they've already reanimated Peter Cushing. The dead are no longer safe. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, that's that's the big trend to watch out for in 2017. Uh, I'm going to skip around a bit, too. 2017 pop culture trend I'm most looking forward to. Uh, Hollywood resurrecting people with terrible CGI that makes everybody look like they're on the fucking Polar Express. Uh, Because I read an article today that said uh, Blade Runner, the the new Blade Runner movie, is going to be doing the same thing. They're going to be CGIing the shit out of uh, people who are not alive or very old. So Rutger Howard? Ridley Scott? Harrison Ford? I, I I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. Now, Did you see that uh, that like uh, publicity photo, that set photo from Blade Runner Two, where it's it's like in a city street and Ryan Gosling's in that jacket standing next to a cop car and Ryan Gosling, Aaron, Ryan Gosling Aaron, looks good. He does, but Harrison Ford is standing right next to him and he's he looks like he just got out of bed and walked over to take this photo. Like he's wearing a gray t shirt and jeans and it <laughs> looks awful. Oh, I didn't see that one. I just yeah. saw just a shot of Gosling. 
the real question for the new Blade Runner will be: Will Harrison Ford have the earring in? Because that's always major major selling point. I'm not taking this damn thing out. I don't know. There better not be any fucking unicorns. Uh, <laughs> you know, Edward James almost is he going to be in it? Probably CG, CG, CG. A lot they, of CG. That's the, the de-age if I comes in. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel bad. Marlon Brando. I, yeah, I feel, I feel bad because I literally just checked to see if Edward James almost was was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in the recent season of Dexter. Oh, I, I never saw that show. So is that still on? Did he? Did wait, wait. Did he almost die? <laughs> Jeez. He was dead the whole time. That was the twist. <laughs> the holiday twist. You know, Steve, I, I am glad that you like Ghostbusters, though, because I, um, I I laughed a few times at it. I didn't think it was terrible. That that was the thing when I watched it, too. I was just like, you know, this this isn't great, but it's not bad. But I, I don't understand why anyone would watch it and, like, get violently angry. And the answer is because the people who were super, super angry didn't actually watch the movie. So, good on They didn't that. answer the call. They didn't answer the call. Yeah. It just had a really bad trailer, too, which didn't help matters. Because I was going to watch it the other day, and I'm like... I was on Amazon and I hit the watch trailer before I uh, hit play and I was like, I can't do it. I don't know. I don't have any aversion to the movie. I'll watch it eventually, but just I shouldn't sure, have started that trailer. Sure, sure you will. Just a, yeah, just right, a bad right after trailer. right after your MRA Are you Jack's meeting. Co-worker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew that voice seemed familiar. <laughs> Looks like Ghostbusters twenty fifty or twenty sixteen won't be getting a tip of the fedora from Adam Myros. <laughs> I, I'll see it. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying they cut one fucking terrible trailer for the thing. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. Uh, Myros, how about you? Favorite TV, favorite movie? Uh, okay. Yeah, TV, what really stood out for me was Baskets. Uh, I'm sure I put it over at some point, but the uh, Zach Galifianakis uh, effort, it was Unlike anything you'll see on TV all year, I've seen a lot of stuff, and uh, this is the one that I keep coming back to. It's just stuck in my mind more than anything. It's just a very melancholy show, uh, but yeah, still got a lot of heart to it. I thought, I thought you just love Bakersfield, California. Yeah, it, well, it, it perfectly encapsulates the Bakersfield experience, I will say. And it still, so is that Eastern Bakersfield song real? No fake. I really wanted that to be real. I mean, listen, listen. There's, there's definitely some Bakersfield songs out there. Uh, that that I guess that one's not real. No, yeah, there's the streets of Bakersfield, but there's no Easter in Bakersfield. But yeah, I mean, Louis Anderson deserves all the awards he can get, and it's... Yeah, he was amazing a, in that. Yeah, a really good show. So if, if that passed uh, under your radar, which I'm sure it did for a lot of people, uh, go back and watch it, because it it's a winner. I just saw a trailer for season two, so it's coming back soon. Yeah, I don't think we'll probably get a long run on this show, just considering Galifianakis probably has a lot of projects in the pipeline, and it didn't get any ratings. But uh, as much as we get, I'll be happy to to watch. So, yeah, that that was the standout for me as far as movies. Um, yeah, that's a, I, I guess I got to go Moonlight. I mean that that's no, no, probably no, the best no, no. thing I've You're seen. You're not allowed to go Moonlight. You've broken the moonlight rule, motherfucker. Uh, so we just shouldn't. Talk no, about no. He meant to say his retro favorite be. retro thing is moonlighting from the eighties. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, we're I talking like non-Oscar. Yeah, so yeah, the the, the caveat here is yeah, we're trying to cover all the non-Oscar stuff so we can spend the uh, the Oscar cast diving into all that 
Hmm, what did I see that's a non-Oscar contender? Ah, uh, the Neon Demon. Oh yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, yeah, and listen, Neon Demon. <laughs> all of those episodes of Kevin Can Wait that you DVR don't count. <laughs> Just because eight of them back to back to back to back counts for like a full length of a film, that doesn't make them a movie, Myros. I think that uh, the, the Wailing would be up there for me. I really liked that. That's certainly not going to get any Oscar buzz, I'm sure. But, yeah, it was the standout uh, horror flick for me on the what'd year. What would you like about it so much? Uh, I just really dug the atmosphere. I thought it was beautifully shot, and the, it was just kind of a old-school good versus evil type thing. And, uh yeah, it it worked for me. I didn't really get into it for the first half hour just because it had a lot of kind of tonal weirdness with the zany cop kind of doing pratfalls. The worst but, cops ever. Yeah, <laughs> they're all but, terrible. <laughs> once it uh, once it got heavy, it really worked for me. I really love all the stuff with the uh, the shaman and all that stuff. I thought it was yeah. just fascinating and yeah uh, south korea just, loves bad cops so yeah that, that's kind of a thing if anyone's ever seen like memories of murder that's like a whole yeah, yeah. film about just cops being the worst at their jobs <laughs> uh that turn at the end i just watched the wailing before this podcast actually but uh that turn at the end the sort of like aha moment is really captivating mm-hmm. well yeah i, I really is. like it's how yeah it, it kind of plays around with some ambiguity and then like instinctively I thought, okay, well obviously it's going in like a, you know, don't be a xenophobic dickhead direction. Right. And then it kind of like pulls the rug out from under you. And I, yeah, it was just, it was, it was really smart. It's got some cool twists to it. Uh, it's, it's a great movie. Absolutely great. All right. Who do we got left? We got Jake. Jake, what do you got for me? Well, uh, I'll just tie this in to my last year's resolutions was to watch more TV shows, and I'm happy to report I think I exceeded my goal um, because I watched, uh, to completion, uh, the following. Um, Hannibal, uh, Rectify, uh, and uh, The Shield, and I'm all caught up on Westworld, uh, Banshee, Baskets, uh, People vs. O.J., Quarry, did I say that? I don't know. And Daredevil, which sucks. Um, <laughs> but I think the single single best TV show I saw this year, um, I'm gonna have that that was this year. I'm gonna have to say Rectify, uh, which is probably the closest to like poetry I've ever seen in television format. It's such a wonderful, beautifully told story about a man trying to get his life together after being released from death row after a 19 year stay. And um, as far as movies go, I think the one movie uh, – I wrote about some underseen films you may have read at OptimismVaccine.com. But if I were to pick one single film that I probably would hold above any others and one that I kept returning to in my mind and that I absolutely loved when I first saw it and still love is uh, The Lobster, um, which is a really, really weird, bizarre, and yet darkly comic film about people trying to find mates, otherwise they'll be turned into animals. And um, I've never seen a film that's just, like, so completely absurd, but also so brilliantly told and brilliantly made. And the performances are excellent across the board, and Colin Farrell, I think, delivers probably his career-best work here. Um, But if you haven't seen The Lobster or watched Rectify, I would recommend 
uh, go checking that out. Um, also, just as a note, I watched The Shield, which I had actually started many years ago but never finished, and I finally finished it this past year. And I think The Shield has the single greatest season or, or series finale to a TV show ever. I'll just say that there. Hey. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was me. Well, and I know you, you watched Men and Chicken recently, right? I did, yes. I was going to save that for when we get into the real weird stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit then. But, yeah, I was, just, I was thinking about that movie and The Lobster, and I watched, the, with, with my girlfriend, I watched The Lobster, and then I watched Men and Chicken the next night, and it was like, oh, God, like, <laughs> this is... It's a bizarre back-to-back. I feel bad for her sometimes in the things that I, I, I make her watch, especially things like that in Rapid Succession, because she's got to think I'm a complete lunatic. Uh, yeah, anyways, uh, Jack, what about you? Uh, let me see. Uh, the the movie that really struck out for me, um, which I think got a wide release in 2016, it, it was only did film festivals prior to that, was uh, Krisha, which is uh, just a film that really kind of took me completely off guard. I was blown away by it. Um Basically, first-time director, um, guy named Trey Edward Schultz, pretty much roped in his family. His aunt plays the titular Krisha, um, and it's basically a Thanksgiving movie. I think it's now it should enter the canon. It was in the great Thanksgiving movies, but basically, it's about <laughs> Krisha, who's this alternative kind of aunt. Who's she? She's got some problems she has some addiction issues so she's kind of been out of the loop in the family for a while but they're having a big family get together for thanksgiving she's being ushered back into the familial fold and of course everything just goes horribly horribly wrong and it's it's a comedy that just kind of fangs come out as it as it it proceeds and progresses it's a really interesting little film shot like pretty much just in a house with uh, like say mostly the director's family and a few professional actors pepper the, the cast here and there um and it's just it's something you just watch something slowly uh degrade basically as as krisha's mental health breaks down and it's a film full of little subjective little flourishes and awful moments alone and in crowds and it's it's a really stylistically uh, attuned little film uh, for for a first time director. It's a really spectacularly put together film, I thought, uh, and just kind of a, a, a reminder of how family and and you know can kind of be a really great unit and can also be really really shitty at like often the same time because they want to support her while she's trying to get over her problems, but they are also in a lot of ways pushing her back into the problems because they don't want their Thanksgiving ruined. And it's it's a really, really great film. Uh, it's got an amazing shot of a camera uh, coming out of the oven, which the oven becomes, uh, since Christian's printed, the turkey becomes a central part of the film's narrative later on. But there's a shot of the camera sliding out of the oven, and I swear the oven looks like a Fritz Lang monster. It's like something out of Metropolis. It is just brilliant, and it's set in a completely domestic setting. So this it's completely in the tone and the mood of the film that he generates that. So um, it's on Amazon Prime right now as of the recording of this, but uh, it's like it's an hour and twenty five minutes long. So Krisha, I highly recommend. I think it's a great little drama. Mm-hmm. Um, TV, I actually watched TV this year. Uh, I'm normally really bad at that, um, and I was kind of caught between two, which was uh, Easy on Netflix, the Joe Swanberg uh, fil- or series. I really enjoyed that. Um, but I think my pick is going to be Fleabag, which is actually a BBC Two production, but Amazon picked it up uh, on Prime. And I just watched that recently. It's a six-part comedy series nominally, but it it's really turns towards drama towards the end. It's a really 
lewd, outrageous comedy about this woman who's essentially kind of dealing with the death of her friend through a lot of outrageous antics, but it becomes more and more apparent as the series uh, progresses just how significant the damage is that she's not confronting through her lewd, zany antics. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting piece of work. It balances, it's outrageously funny at times, some fantastic gags, and then it kind of slowly meshes that with, with a much more vulnerable kind of human element. I thought it was interesting in the extremes that it managed to marry together very well. So uh, Fleabag, it's like it's literally six half-hour episodes, so not a huge uh, time constraint. Uh, so if you're looking for something interesting, I would highly recommend that. All right. Sean, how about you? Um, <clears throat> with TV, um, I actually didn't watch a whole lot of new TV this year. Um, I thought that the best show was Atlanta, but I have a feeling that's probably going to be like talked about in awards, maybe. Um, so uh, I will say instead that I loved uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, CW, uh, sort of romantic comedy type of um it's not really a sitcom because it's, it's an hour-long show, but um, it's uh, just for CW shows. It's like super assured and well-produced, and uh, yeah, it's it's this it's by actress and showrunner Rachel Bloom, and um, she's just uh, it's about this woman who moves from um, the East Coast to uh, this little town, West Covina, in um, California, and. Uh, it's sort of a musical. I mean, it is a musical, but the musical stuff isn't like a huge part of it. So I hope that that doesn't ward people off, but, um, it's just a really, really smart show that's funny and, um, it's not pretentious at all. And I I just really dug that for a year that I didn't fly through a bunch of TV. That was one that I really sort of just like had to watch, um, the next episode for, I would definitely back that up. I would say, actually, surprisingly, I think uh, season two. I don't know if you're watching season two as it should be starting up again in the next couple of days, but I think season two may actually even be better, and they've they've kind of developed things even more. Yeah, that's so. one of those shows where I, I mean, you know, I've, I have different people in my life who recommend very different things to me, and a lot of times there's not a lot of cross sections, and that's one of those shows where. Literally everyone I've talked to that's seen it has been like, oh, my God, you've got to watch this, which rarely, if ever, happens. So that's definitely high yeah. to get to. Yeah, and for the type of show that it, that it is, that's uh, it's interesting. You know, it's not like Westworld where, like, everyone's watching it or, you know, like, and you know why people are into it. Like, yeah. it's, it's sort of a weird show that people would be, like, so um, into. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for um, movies that are not going to be Oscar contenders. I, I'm i sort of in between right now. I, I think that um, American Honey is definitely one that, um, that I thought about most this year and um, enjoyed is probably the wrong word. Um, but um, I think it's really, really good movie, really like thoughtful and, and um, uh, all that stuff, but uh, re- really rewarding. Um, I also watched Green Room, uh, with uh, Steve Cuff, who showed that to me, That's graciously right. hosting me. Um, and that movie has just been like, I, I don't think that, I probably wouldn't say it's as good as American Honey, but it's really stuck with me. I, I, I've seen it more recently, so that probably helps. But that's a really cool, really cool movie. Um, it's not like overly ph- philosophical or anything like that, but it's just like 
really good. Um, but yeah, American Honey. I guess I would. Uh, Jack, you just watched American Honey. No? I did. I I literally just managed to wrap it up before this. It's quite long. It's like nearly three hours long. So yeah, uh, not one to not one to just throw on when you're you know got a little bit of time. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's an interesting um, interesting film. Kind of road trip, horrible things cross section of America. Um I'm kind of I'm still it's it's a very like the time, the length the film takes to run, I think is an integral part of it. It's it is a journey film. Yeah. It's kind of the the transition of location and people and is is kind of important to it. So I'm still kind of putting it together. It's um it's an interesting film actually because it's it's a British director making a film about America, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of interesting because we also had this year we had um, the same thing with Hell or High Water, which may be an award contender. I hope it should be. Absolutely, but, um, is another is another film that is I think very keyed into American sensibilities, but is not directed by an American. So um, it's kind of an interesting little movement yeah. there. I don't know if there's anything much to it, but um, yeah, yeah, American I, Honey is sort of. Like a, it, it's like a, a long road movie um, where, like, the main character doesn't figure out her life. Like, where the journey doesn't really pay off, and it's just sort of like figuring out what to do when when you don't figure things out on the road. Yeah, it's and I think it's it's interesting in that it's like America has almost going back to my original when we opened this up talking about. Um, like the American New Wave and model shop and pit stop and things, and the American New Wave was this quintessentially masculine film form. It was always men mm-hmm. following men on the road and male existential crises and the role of men and this and that. And uh, American Honey is uh, the female equivalent, really. And there's a, a part of it is a horrible vulnerability of, of the women in the film. I think they're they get. The, even with their best sensibilities, they end up getting preyed on for their youth and their sexuality, and they can trade on that if they wish, and they kind of push the envelope here and there. And there's, I don't know, there's, there's just that scene towards the end of it where they're all singing the song "American Honey" in the in the van, which the the film takes its title from a country song. Um, and it's the the film the the camera kind of lingers on all of the the female characters in the van as opposed to the men. It's actually the it, the whole film they're traveling as a group, and it's predominantly men in the group. It's all young young people, but predominantly men. But in that final scene, the camera lingers much more on the women in the group, and I feel it's very much this concept of them having their own specific battle that the as mm-hmm. shiftless as the men are, they have much less to overcome. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's an interesting film. And if you want to read more about these themes in American Honey, you can head over to optimismvaccine dot com and read an article that I wrote. Oh, there's the plug. I, there's the plug. Yeah. I think 2016 has actually been a really great year for like stuff like Crazy Ex Girlfriend, Fleabag, Insecure, American Honey. Like a lot of uh, kind of women's voices have come through. Um, Kelly Rowlandson. Is that the transition into favorite albums of the year? Uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about albums, but if you got if you got a favorite album, that's definitely one of them for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's for sure. For sure. Does nobody else have any though? Is it? Um, I would say yeah. Angel Olsen is great. Uh, Run the Jewels doesn't count, but that leaked in 2016, and it was great. Did it leak? I thought they released it early. Yeah, they released it early. Same difference. Uh, <laughs> they leaked it themselves. Yeah, they leaked it themselves. Which, by the way, most of the time, <laughs> it, when wrecked it, the system. Most of the time, when an album leaks, 
it's because the band does it themselves, which actually reminds me, and this this will be another transition for something. Um, Wait, what a, were your TV well, we shows and movies? Oh, my TV shows and movies? Uh, I didn't watch a lot of TV, actually. The only thing that I really, really watch religiously, other than big stuff, you know, Westworld, whatever. Uh, oh, wait, I, you put over that, that MTV show, right? Yeah, oh, wait, well, first was... off, <laughs> yeah, that show is fucking amazing. And if you're not watching that, you're an idiot. Uh, the other thing that I, I finally got around to watching is I, I watched uh, Twin Peaks Steve all the way through. Steve calls us all idiots. Yeah, that's podcast. right. You stupid idiots. Um, yeah, Twin Peaks was something. It was something. I, I couldn't shake the feeling, like, as I was watching it, like, not only is it so fucking weird and so David Lynch-y, but the fact that it was... So so popular and just like completely captivated American television audiences for that first season. Like that is mind blowing to me. And then the second season just drags on forever. And it almost feels like Twin Peaks season one and Twin Peaks season two feel like two completely different shows to me. Yeah, that's like the the first half of Twin Peaks season two. I think they still they got something to do but i mean we it's funny because it was like the studio forced david lynch to give closure to the murder which he wasn't going to do and yeah. that's kind of like provides the of an amazing episode of season two i think the episode where they confront the murderers is a phenomenal and pretty intense even yeah. by today's standards oh, of yeah. television in terms of its implied violence it's a really crazy piece of tv yeah um, and kind of amazing they put that out on network tv in the 90s but yeah after that it just sort of it, it meanders they're they're looking for something but they don't quite find it so. yeah I, i've never i've never seen a, a show tread more water I, I think i was talking to jake about it because jake's a, a big twin speak fan twin peaks fan and i am I'm a, fan of those, I'm a fan of those peaks. He was like, "Yeah, just you know, you know that that subplot with uh, uh, what's his face, and he's fixing the lady's car, and blah blah blah." <laughs> oh yeah, where James rolls out of town. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, I'm gonna brood over here with this older woman who has a nice car. It's like, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's that doesn't go anywhere. Feels like they were cutting him out of the show, and then a camera crew accidentally followed him, and they ended up putting the results back into the show. That's that's pretty much it. That is like one of the worst subplots I've ever seen in a TV show. Steve, I've, I cannot wait for you to watch Firewalk with me and hear you react over that. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do a Yasni on it. I think uh, you we absolutely are. Doing it. It's happening. Yeah, uh, I it, haven't that watched um, Twin Peaks yet. It's on my list, but uh, this year I did drink a beer that Twin Peaks, the band, collaborated on, and it was terrible. Fuck! Don't name your fucking band Twin Peaks. That's stupid. Jesus Christ! Wasn't a damn good beer. It was a damn bad beer. Hey, if you're gonna name your band after a TV show, call yourself Matlock. They they had like they they made like two or three different beers with Goose Island that that were at Pitchfork. Oh. And uh, one of them was absolutely terrible. Boring tight pants in Iraq. Say it was the valley of my experience there. Wait, why the hell are we talking about Twin Peaks? Are we on the the favorite show of the year here? Yeah, that, that is the year. The year that I watched Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, that, that it would fit <laughs> into the retro category. Hey, they, they put out, they put out a book too, and uh, what's okay. your movie? My movie. This this is great because this is our transition. Um. <laughs> We're going straight to hell, baby. Let me tell you. Was it Firewalk with me? It, it was not Firewalk with the me. The timeline of this podcast is like a rival. You know, you know, we, oh, we, so don't, I love we, don't, it. we don't need this rigid format, okay? We don't, we don't need to check all the boxes. It's true. Uh, th- this was a very good year for horror. I'm glad you brought up Green Room because I thought Green Room was awesome. The Witch was awesome. Uh, 
there was a lot of surprises. I didn't hate The Conjuring 2, so that was shocking. The Wailing. Is, is The Wailing uh, horror? The Wailing is horror. The Wailing is very good. Uh, also, even like direct-to-Netflix stuff. Uh, there's a movie called Hush that I thought was really, really cool that everybody should check out. Uh, it's streaming right now on Netflix. It's only, it's got, it's really short too. It's like 70 minutes yeah. long or something ridiculous. Uh, but just a really, really tight little home invasion thriller. Really well done, really simple, well executed. Um, but which is from the director of Ouija 2. Which sucks balls, even though everybody yeah. seems to like that movie. I don't know why. Wait, wait, is it really? Yeah. 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 And also the guy who did, same guy who did Oculus, which is pretty good. Um, you see, everyone likes Oculus, and I thought that sucked balls. I don't see, know. I think go. it's so confusing. <laughs> so mm, I hope there's a sequel called Shush. <laughs> Maybe there probably already is a movie called that. Well, I, would assume. Oh, I I guarantee it. Stars Richard Gere or some shit. You know, part three can be like Hush three. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> they they could have called Hush Shush because she's deaf and mute. So that that would actually work. Yeah, it's a real Helen Keller thriller. Um, so the one thing that really stuck out to me though, it Helen kind Keller. Of, yeah, there, there's one. Put that <laughs> call up trauma. You got a winner. <laughs> I want to I see a thriller where someone stalks a deaf, dumb, blind woman. That would just be me. It's called Tommy, the alternate <laughs> cut. So th- the movie that that really stuck out to me though uh, was something that uh, I know Coleman liked it, and I know the rest of you were, were pretty confused by it. Except I think Jake liked it too. It's kind of horror, but to not an, really. To an extent. It, it's it's called the Greasy Strangler. Oh, that so, film! I loved it. Yeah, so uh, let's let's talk about the Greasy Strangler, which <laughs> I, I would like Wrangler. to dominate the next three hours of podcast time because it is the most goddamn amazing thing. <laughs> ever Buckle in, we just entered Act Two of American Honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the Greasy Strangler is about two disgusting people. <laughs> Who are related? People in the loosest sense of the term. In the loosest sense of the term. <laughs> Two and bullshit artists, really. One one of those people really likes Greece, like like really, just like more than you think. When not I say the musical, really likes Greece, yeah, and not the musical, and not the sequel to the musical either. Although these are the kind of people who would really enjoy sitting through like a, a Greece two, just on a loop or something. Uh, and and he likes to cover himself in grease and strangle people, hence the Greasy Strangler. Uh, it's complete lunacy. It's basically like a little bit of John Waters, a little bit of Napoleon Dynamite, a little bit of uh, Tim and Eric, I guess. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's and it's just... <laughs> and I think, Myros, you, you, you put it in a really good way, where it's like, it's so revolting, and the things they say and do are so vile... That unlike Napoleon Dynamite, which people just like quoted and mimicked to the point where it, it just stopped being funny at all, this is the kind of thing where it will it will just repulse ninety nine point nine percent of the people that watch it. So you never have it to is, worry about that. <laughs> it is a body positive movie, though. It is. It is. You know what? All penises matter. I've been saying that. I started a hashtag. Um, and, and boy, this has got this has got all the penises. It's got a micro penis. It's got a giant like fucking cottage cheese filled yam of a penis. Although I, it is very yammy, but I I mean I would argue that uh, the uh, representations of penises are uh, equivalent to uh, the persons they are attached to. 
Yeah, they they really are. Like the penises reflect the personality. That is that's for sure. A lot of, yeah, lot except of, that they're called they're both called Big. It's Big Ronnie, but then it's also his son is is what I don't remember what his name is. Big, big Braden, something or other. Big Braden. Big Braden. That's right. But he's not big. He's got Spoiler a big alert. heart, though. You know. <laughs> big heart, little dick. So, what is the Gracie Strangler about besides just a guy that strangles somebody? Um, People. Well, for those who haven't seen it, it's about love. It's about family. <laughs> uh, Wait, is Greasy Strangler the only movie that all six of us have seen this year? Yeah, yeah. Nine Lives. <laughs> has everyone seen Nine Lives? No, yeah, no. we've all seen nope, Nine nope. Lives. Oh no, Myros hasn't. So yes, the Greasy Strangler is the only movie that everyone on this Second. podcast has seen. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> probably probably Suicide Live. Squad. Yeah, Suicide <laughs> Squad's the other one. Actually, Coleman, oh my god, Coleman, did you see Suicide Squad? Oh fuck that. No, okay, uh, so hey, there you go. Suicide Squad is Nine Lives. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. I've actually I've seen the Greasy Strangler twice. I saw it once in the theater, and then I saw it uh, again with uh, Sean and, and Steve in the comfort of my living room. I don't know if I can actually tell you what it's really about. It's just aggressive anti-comedy and it's, body yeah, It's gags. a father-son story, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. It's, it's kind of a father-son story, and it's about, you know, not, not letting someone get in the way of your of your love of each other whether that's uh a hootie just that cat song put to script exactly (laughs) yep or you know or maybe it's uh ricky prickles in his six-pack i don't know one or the other (laughs) you know i could have bought that whole father-son thing but then what was with that end coda like i had no idea what was happening in the end scene where they're just like prancing around greasy in the woods and then see themselves get murdered and then they're Heads open up and like Boiler, right? oh, champagne shoots out or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like they borrowed a couple of special effects from Birdemic. Uh, I mean, I get the idea of them teaming up to kill Ricky Prickles, who is the man that uh, uh, Big Braden's father, uh, mother, mother, mother left his father <laughs> for. Uh, but I, I don't understand why. I don't understand why they kill the woman other than she's kind of like sleeping with both of them, and I don't understand why they run through the woods naked and then get their heads explode and they're crucified, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. See, I was sort of under the impression that the the grease actually possessed them, and that's why Big Braden decided to kill her, because he's possessed by the grease. They don't explain that, but that was my interpretation. That's good. That's a a real deep look at the greasy strangler. I like that. See, I always... Yeah, well, I was thinking he he got he got covered in the grease, but but Big Braden seems unsure at first of how to kill. So I don't know about the the possession angle. It's it's a it's a slippery one. Mm-hmm. But he still does it. <laughs> he wants to be good at it. Well, yeah, yeah. there you go. You know, it's the not will like you to just, kill. Yeah, you don't just cover yourself in grease and immediately know how to squeeze someone's neck until their eyeballs shoot out of their head. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Jake? I can't imagine you slip and slide all over the place. I always thought that the ending was kind of like a metaphor for them shedding their normal, quote-unquote, identities, and now they're just these two guys that live in the woods, covered in grease, and strangle any hapless souls that they come upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah well, uh, they, could do, they could do Grease Strangler 2 and tie it in with Blair Witch, and it'd be amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'd pay Blair Witch that. would have been a hundred times better if it turned out they ran into Big Braden and Big <laughs> Rudolph, or whatever his name is, in the Cause, woods. Because Blair Witch was definitely made by some bullshit artist. <laughs> <laughs> not a horseshit artist. Well, actually, that's the thing. Blair Witch was not made by a bullshit artist, but it made makes me question the other work that he's done. 
it's it's true. He's made other good stuff. I, yeah. I don't know what was happening with that. I feel they lost a bet, bet or something. I don't know. Hey, but. man, if somebody dangles that Blair Witch money in front of you, you got to jump on it. <laughs> Sean, what was your favorite part in the uh, Grease, Greasy Strangler? Um, you know, I like... <laughs> My favorite part was Sean's face while we were watching it. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. Um my favorite part was was either Hootie Tootie, Disco Cutie or um I will say that the first like one in and two times that he went through the car wash was funny before it became rote. <laughs> I, I mean obviously that it, it's rote on purpose, but uh the like first or second time is really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird film. It's hard to I think I because I kind of did enjoy it, but it's it has it would make more sense. I think it's like a thirty minute thing. It's it's difficult because half of the humor is derived specifically from repeating everything yeah. until yeah. like beating every joke into the ground, and then just keep beating it until it maybe becomes a joke again. And they just do that with everything. So the second you hear any kind of a stupid thing, you know you're going to hear it again and again and again. And sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so hey, it's, it's hard Jack, to tell. Tell us, uh, tell us about Holly's reaction. Oh, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, because she watched that with me. I, I felt bad about about ten minutes, <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, this was a mistake." Um, so that's that's um, comfortably, I believe, in her unofficial list of five worst films ever. Um, so there you go. Thanks for that, guys. That's um, fair. I mean, it's it's certainly the most polarizing movie of 2016. I think that's it's a shoo-in <laughs> for that. And also, Amanda, she left when we were watching it. She just got up and was like, "I can't do this." I think that was no, those were exact words. It is a yeah. difficult film because it's like I say, it is. I don't, like it's. I don't even know why some of the jokes work and some of them don't because they're all the fucking same, really. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't love like f- like the whole like farting in his face type stuff. But then some people, I don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. There's just there's what, so many the, little moments in it that when yeah, I think yeah. about it again, I just like one of, one of the hilarious. jokes that did really work for me that I thought was was really good was um the one scene where Big Ronnie the dad starts miming deep inhaling like he smells something terrible he's like (laughs) you know they keep calling each other bullshit artists but then he they up it at one point to horse shit and and he's like no it's not horse shit i smell something else and he starts doing this big like ushering like big breaths and and he keeps and he just keeps doing it without saying what he smells yeah this is the sort of movie where this scene goes on for like five minutes (laughs) and big Braden is literally like like waiting he's like what do you smell and it's like who give a shit what he smells because he's not smelling anything this is ridiculous but they play it for yeah. like that must it's run like, for three or four minutes it's, it's like if dumb and dumber were like a father son and like made by yeah like acid burnout with autism or something <laughs> it's god i also but, I, I really love i really love the scene too this goes back to the repetition thing too when Braden is uh, he's he's having sex with uh, what is it? Is it Janet or Janet? Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like he's like laying down and she's just like riding him and he's just like like this Janet like this. Am I doing it right, Janet? And just like this whole sex scene and he just keeps asking her if he's doing it right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like for the first half hour to forty minutes, I was just like 
laughing my ass off. I was kind of in love with this movie, but it's just like the stuff that doesn't work is when it gets away from Big Braden and Big Ronnie. Like, I suppose the most obnoxious version of the like repetitive gag for me was probably the tourists where they were trying to say the word potato <laughs> and it just, just like. I was I was definitely peeved at that part. I was just like, all right. That's the what first. About, he likes the ridges. Really what about you, Jake? Around. Yeah, that was like Family Guy type stuff. But what about you, the, Jake? That my favorite bits probably were Big Ronnie takes Janet out for a date, and he tells the story about how he went to I think this is a casino with Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, and he, he talks about how he got in a fight, and he's like, I hit that one guy and punched him the fuck out, and then I hit another guy so hard that his hair fell out. And then when <laughs> when Big Ronnie walks home uh, from the date. All of a sudden, this like spotlight shines on him, and he just breaks out in this little dance for no reason on the street. And then the music stops, and then he carries on like nothing just happened. And it's little yeah, it's, moments like that. Are, yeah, the film needed just more. It has these great sections, in it. and what, one thing I think we need to like the thing that ties it together. Obviously, it's all just swearing and just foul people saying and thinking foul things but the production design is really exacting everyone's color choreographed and there's this they have these really like well decorated little sets and everything it's like it's almost a wes anderson feel to it Mm -hmm. but it's just full of poisonous terrifying yeah i think i think big ronnie i i said while watching this that um Big Ronnie was like my like villain of the year. He doesn't have like damage tattoo on his face, but uh, <laughs> well, the the thing is, along with the production design, it's like it's pretty sharply written too. Like a lot of the dinner scenes are what killed me the most. Just when he's he's like, oh, gotta make it extra greasy. <laughs> and it just it's it's so like overwritten. It's got this like yeah, mellifluous yeah. prose to it, and uh, that guy who plays Big Ronnie, Michael Saint Michaels, just delivers. He sells every piece of yeah. shit line. And it's oh, God. When, when, he, when he's slurping on that grapefruit covered in bacon grease. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you like greasy grapefruit? <laughs> oh, my God. That's, and then yeah. also that, that whole weird end scene with uh, fucking Big Ronnie dressed up as a, a detective, which is just him in, like, sunglasses with, like, six-inch long press-on nails. <laughs> 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 that's right yeah, it's Cold just Jody. really weird things I kind of I, I gotta admit I kind of like their friend Oinker too just the, the randomness <laughs> that a guy which he just shows up and he's oh, yeah. dressed he's like weird short shorts like half of them wear all the time he looks like just Will all, Oldham without his beard yeah they're just <laughs> overweight people in really tight clothes that's like the motif across the whole film and um, and Oinker just has a pig nose on his face and he oinks and you would think, okay, fair enough. I like that. That is not by far and away is not the most outlandish thing that's happened in this movie. That a man <laughs> wear a pig, a fake pig nose, and he would oink when he's talking. But then and later on, he enjoys on, the sweet release of death. Uh, yeah, and and he he at one point they just remove his his fake oh, pig man. nose, and he just has no nose. Yeah, it's like a chasm under it. Yeah, it's a hole where his nose would be, and that's just a thing. And I I thought that was again, like, I just feel this movie. I'm really undecided on it because I think there's moments in it that really are really genuinely funny. But to get to those moments, you have to sit through so much like really weird, repetitious 
kind of strange stuff. I don't know. It's it's. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if the payoff is worth it. But I'm not going to forget the movie anytime soon. So there you go. Maybe yeah. That's well, enough. I think. I think. Yeah. That's that's the caveat here. Is there is zero connective tissue in this movie. It's just like it just bounces from moment to moment, and whether those moments hit or not, it you know it kind of depends on uh, a lot of different things. But I would recommend this if uh, if you if you have a six pack, drink it. Don't watch it by yourself. Don't watch it by yourself. If you have a six-pack, drink it. After you drink the six-pack, put in the movie, grab another six-pack, and start drinking again, and you'll have a great time. <laughs> you know, I it actually- say maybe watch it by yourself because you don't – who the fuck it, – it's a real crapshoot whether you know anyone who's not going to react. Hey, well, hey I man, I saw it in a movie true. theater with at least eight other people there. <laughs> that, that could work. I would say, actually, it kind of reminded me another movie that, that came out this year, a uh, kind of atmospheric, sparse horror film, was The Eyes of My Mother, which is like, this felt like the exact opposite of that film for mm-hmm. me. They're, they're both kind of unsettling atmospheric pieces in a way, but The Eyes of My Mother is like a black and white no one says anything, kind of like just long passages of, of nothing really happening. It's all about mood and creepiness. And then but there's there's no storyline. It's a woman whose mother gets murdered, and she starts taking. She lashes out against several other people and keeps a person tied up in her bar, barn, barn, and whatever. Um, and yeah, it's like there's no real. It's you can overlay your own psychology on it because there's really it's there's nothing explicitly laid out in the film. Yeah. Um, which and honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of the film. I felt it was, it was a little bit too sparse. But uh, the Grease Strangler is like the Technicolor fucked up everyone's just talking craziness uh endless version of that because again there's no psychology laid out in the movie other than like it is like a bunch of five-year-olds who learn bodily functions and just <laughs> threw it out there <laughs> like the the logic of the greasy strangler is basically that it, it like anything you can imagine in terms of like gross body stuff they will have to amplify it it's like every close-up from ren and stimpy laid out in a in a whole feature <laughs> film yeah I, I like. I think that's the best way to describe it. Is yeah, Greasy Strangler is every close up from Red and Stimpy. That's ba- that's basically R- yeah, rated oh. R. <laughs> Porto. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Oh God. Okay, we should probably ra- wrap this up soon. But before we do, instead of putting anything over this year, because we just put over a bunch of shit, um, <laughs> let's let's go through our our pop culture resolutions from last year and our pop culture resolutions from this year. Uh, did you meet yours, and uh, what's your one for this year? And I'm not going to go first, because I forgot what mine was. So, Coleman, how about yours? You didn't see yeah, any fucking was... movies this year. I, apparently, that was my resolution. So, yeah, I guess <laughs> I need a, need a redo on that, because for God's sakes, I'm falling way behind you, bastards. Is, is this going to be so... our, our, our greasy strangler joke, where every single year we're going to ask you for your... your uh, pop culture resolution, and you're going to say go to the this? movie more and not go. How, how, how about this? I give if you, you guys a resolution? If you oh, didn't ahead. complete your resolution, you're a bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bullshit artist. Well, all right. I'm a, I am a bullshit artist this year. I will try to do better to, like I said, keep up with you guys, or at least keep up with you the fucking Facebook thread. <laughs> Good luck. For God's sakes! Uh, but hey, if, if can I give you guys a resolution? Yeah, sure. sure. Listen to more music so we can talk about music next year. Yeah, fine. Just, just, just keep... I was really excited to talk about that. 
keep keep putting all on the Facebook thread. Just just tell us what you're listening to. I don't know. I don't know what music to listen to. I'm very suggestible though. So all right. Well, that that's my uh, that'd be my resolution this year is to help that's you out with one. that. Hey, send send me your Spotify playlist, and I'll share my uh, my my Christmas songs playlist with you. It's got it's got it is, it is a great Christmas list. Yeah, I got a really good Christmas list. It's got that Tommy Two Tone Christmas song on it, and it's got the uh, Greasy Strangler <laughs> original soundtrack. Yeah, Greasy Strangler OST, and then a bunch of Scott Walker. That's it. If I can talk about music uh, for a second, I will say one thing that like <clears throat> I got sick of when everybody put out their top ten list, um, and this goes. Uh, this goes along as a, um, a recommendation, I guess, very broadly to all of you. Um, I mean, obviously, Coleman's um, probably undertaking a lot of music on his own. But those of you who are looking for recommendations, <clears throat> a lot of people who put out their top ten list of music at the end of the year. And it's just like all white artists uh, sometimes, like a good portion of them. Obviously not from like the sites that put out like a full like site you know, list like that's pretty comprehensive, but people who put out their own, um, I saw like quite a few that were just all white artists, which is just like ridiculous because we're at, uh, we're at like a, a certain peak, whether it's the only, or, you know, the highest peak or, or just like the most recent peak, but, uh, of hip hop and, and R and B. So, uh, if you're looking for recommendations, there's so much good hip hop and R and B to listen to. Um, and all you have to do is sort of just like, you know, reach out, look are, for are it, hit suge- Spotify. Are you, that, are you suggesting African Americans may not like may have something to say about Trump or something like that? <laughs> I mean, even even I the last... with that, that's going to be really just bigly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I I don't think it's been like uh, precipitated from from that on its own, but but you know, if that has anything to do with it, great. But I mean, th- there's just been a a ton of good rap albums and a, a ton of good R and B albums. Um, that uh, if you're looking for recommendations, like start there. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it, I, I just that you don't take any list seriously that 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 would have all white artists on it. I'm surprised that that you're that that's that's. I, I don't. I want to know what music sites you're reading because literally every single top ten. Oh, top these are five, more. These aren't. Sites, I mean, these are like people who publish their own, like on Facebook and Twitter. That that like just personal ones because, oh, like okay. I said, all the site ones are like comprehensive. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's like I. I think every single one that I've seen top five. It's like number one Solange, number two Tribe Called Quest. Oh, there's a dude, there's a dude in particular that uh, a couple of us um, know from different ways. That that published one and and it's routinely like all white artists and this is somebody who like listens to music enough to you know publish a top ten <clears throat> and then you know it was all white artists and then like in the coming days after that was was complaining that people were falling out of love with Radiohead it's just like dude <laughs> this is what you're this is what you're trying to get people into is Radiohead I you know what honestly I totally <laughs> forgot that Radiohead put out a record this year. Until yeah, I, I, I think a lot no, of really good reviews, though. No, but that's the thing. Oh, that's go the thing. figure. <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot that they put out a record until I started reading top ten lists, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, that came out. It fucking exactly. sucks." Jesus. It's like, oh well, the musicianship is just perfect. It's just like, what? Stop talking about Radiohead when you're you haven't listened to a single R and B record this year. Mm. Yeah, I I'm think, gonna uh, quick plug that uh, Blood Orange album from this year, by the oh, way. God, Freetown it's so Sound. Cool. It's oh, my that's, favorite that's one of the year. I really want to see uh, him live. 
Yeah, that one's been getting a ton of critical praise. I'd say, yeah, I mean, not not with individuals, but with websites, I, it's been crazy because I'd say that, yeah, like the majority of website top tens, top twenty fives, whatever, it's it's been dominated by hip hop and R and B, which is for sure. Cool. Uh what the anyway? Fuck? Okay, anyway, pop culture resolutions. Pop culture resolutions. Uh, Coleman, do you got you got anything else? Yep. Uh, talk to you guys more and go see more movies. All right, that's, <laughs> that works. And going to see the movies doesn't mean you go to the uh, the you know the little place where you put in a quarter and you watch some lady shake it while you crank your hog. <laughs> yeah, well, let me count. know where it only costs a quarter, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, holy shit! I had to get Sacagawea coins last time yeah. I went. You know it happens. <laughs> Uh, Sean, um, I, I will. I am gonna go see Office Christmas Party as soon as we're done. As soon as we wrap this up, so there's that. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's that's good. That's the time for that. Sean, how about you? What do you got? Um, <clears throat> well, my resolution from last year was um, to uh, make more appointment viewing, and instead of just coming home and, and turning on the TV and, and just like figuring out what to watch sort of like being more decisive and deliberate about that and, and instead reading and writing more and listening to music and just like just sort of like enjoying I guess my own company and and enjoying other media um, outside of the visual <clears throat> um, and I did that I think pretty well for probably uh, half to two-thirds of the year um, I, I think I did really well and it was really uh, enriching and um, whether I, you know, whether I did it the whole year or not, it, it sort of ingrained a certain resistance to that impulse that like, okay, I'm going to turn on my TV now and figure it out. Um, and I mentioned last year that since I got out of grad school that I've just like loved personal reading and I think I've read more books in the last two years than probably like the, you know, 20 odd years that preceded them almost. But, um, uh, I need to, f- I need to find, or I, I think this year or last year's resolution helped me find that balance of, of like watching media with reading media, um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I, I don't feel terribly bad, uh, about my performance, uh, of last year's, <clears throat> this year's, however, I will be stepping out of my comfort zone and I will be watching the greasy strangler every day. Yeah. Now, uh, I will be uh, watching uh, – well, this is somewhat similar, I guess. I- I'll be watching more horror uh, films. Mm-hmm. Which we kicked off when you were in town uh, like last week. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So, I mean, this is sort of how all resolutions go where, you know, you're excited about it. You're going to the gym like once a day and then like the third week hits and you're like, oh, okay. Um, but right now I'm really excited about horror. I- I've watched quite a quite a few. I've watched like three or four in the past week. Um and I don't think I'm going to continue that clip, but I hope that, um, you know, I usually watch like two horror movies like a year. Um, and I know there's a backlog of some that I've been wanting to watch that I'm going to get watched. And I'm not necessarily going to go through the, you know, the annals of, of horror film, but uh, I'm going to read a couple books on horror, probably pick up a couple movies uh, based on that and just sort of like go through ones that I've been looking at and, and watch new ones as they come out or, or as people recommend them to me. Yeah. Um, so. And hey, uh, I, I said earlier that 2016 was a great year for horror, but some of the some of the critically acclaimed stuff I did not understand. Like Sean and I watched, um, oh, what was it? Called? Uh, 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 Lights out. Lights out. Lights out. Which was fucking terrible. Yeah, it wasn't oh, yeah, good. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> I have I, no idea I, how that got critical acclaim. It was abysmal. It's just like a Ouija two. 
Yeah. People seem to love it because it's technically well-crafted, but not much else. Yeah. Well, and at least Ouija 2 had a little bit of style to it. Whereas, yeah, it had like the throwback um, flourishes, yeah. like cigarette burns and like an old timey logos. Mm-hmm. Isn't that done to death at this point? Though, isn't everyone done that? Well, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least it had something. Whereas, uh, Lights Out is literally the most generic thing I've seen in from a horror movie in years, which is really yeah. saying something. And um, in part of, I guess, part of my my reason for this, besides stepping outside of my comfort zone and like you know hoping that I'll find stuff that I'll enjoy, I also want to like be able to better like read those movies and sort of take them um, uh, seriously. And uh, I I just watched Hush, which we talked about. Uh, I watched that this week, and uh, that was that was really rewarding in a way that's like um, talking about horror films in certain ways like sort of metatextual uh sort of confronting how people watch horror films i think at certain times yeah um which was really interesting so so far i I feel uh really good about it cool jake how about you um just real briefly i wanted to say the 2017 pop culture i'm most looking forward to is uh the new twin peaks so uh, yeah, Th- they have a new album coming out, or or, or a new beer. <laughs> they have a new beer coming out. So taste that soon, Sean. Um, no, uh, my resolution. So I mentioned earlier, I think I succeeded my TV one uh, this year. On the top of uh, listening to more music, as Coleman suggested, I'm also just going to try to write more. Um, I have a letterbox account that I used to keep track of all the movies I watched, and I usually like a write a one sentence blurb about everything I see, but I want to try to expand that and then hopefully get more content on the site by doing so. Even if it's Ditto. just like a single, single film review of just what mm-hmm. I saw that weekend, you know, we'll get that thrown up. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, was that all that I was supposed to say? You nailed for it. The, uh, all right. Actually, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to jump in here right now because your resolution for 2017 is pretty similar to mine because I was thinking like, so I work with this guy, and he knows I like horror movies, and he knows I've seen a lot of horror movies. So he does this thing where he will just, like, pop over to my desk and, and just, like, say the name of a horror movie and ask me if I've seen it. And a lot of times, I'm like, I'm not sure. And then I, like, and then I look wait, at, like, wait, the wait. DVD. Does he ask you, um, has he ever asked you what your favorite scary movie is? Uh, no. He might be the killer from Scream, though. I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyways, and I realized when he asked me this, like, a lot of times I, I like, I, I read, like, a synopsis or I look at the picture of the DVD cover. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. It fucking sucks or, you know, whatever. And I realized that I've seen so much that it's just turned into this pile of mush in my brain where I can't keep track of what I've seen and what I haven't seen. So my goal is, is every new movie that I see in 2017 I'm gonna. I, I have a letterbox account that I made a couple weeks ago, and I'm gonna keep track of everything I see, and and try and keep up with that. So it'll hopefully help me, you know, kind of jog my memory and and keep track of what I'm actually watching because I am apparently an old man with dementia who can't remember anything other than like every single scene from the Greasy Strangler, which is permanently brained into my, uh, or per- permanently burned. Brained into my brain. in your brain. Brained into my burns. <laughs> see what I'm doing right now? This is what happens. So, this is. Or what- maybe you should, uh, you know. Try uh, doing a uh, one-minute review of some of these. That would be Ooh. Odd, odd. Resolution 1A, make more 
video reviews. There we go. I said it. Now it has to happen. And guess what? I totally forgot what my New Year's resolution was for pop culture last year on the podcast. And then it was you guys watch your home videos. Yeah, you guys not, listen to not it the ones me. of like you and your brother. Yeah, like, those are different. Those are special. Uh, is it like a butterfly effect situation. <laughs> I thought he was going for something more sexual. Butterfly effect, not the actual. Is that the kind of home video you're talking about? Yeah, the film. There's uh, Ashton Kutcher getting diddled and stuff. (laughs) 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 The way you phrased it, I don't know if that was so sure to people. No, actually, I just have a bunch of VHS tapes, and I invite people over and ask them if they want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed. And it's, you know, it's a a trash bag. Uh, No, I... I actually did that. I don't know how I did it because I forgot that I was supposed to, but I definitely went through and I, I watched a bunch of stuff. I rewatched a bunch of things that I was meaning to rewatch. Uh, I, I was pretty good about actually watching new things when I bought them, which is kind of big for me because uh, my problem is frequently like, oh, a Criterion sale, and then I'll buy a bunch of shit that I don't watch for two years, which is a horrible habit. Uh, yeah, but I'm breaking it. Moving up. All right. All right. Jack, how about you? Well, I wasn't on last year's uh, roundup, so I don't I don't have a new New Year's resolution on the record. But my my resolution last year was to go to the theater more often or go to the cinema more often, and um, yeah, that didn't work out so well. That's <laughs> that's probably a surprise of no one. You and Coleman uh, should start a support somewhat, group. Okay. <laughs> hmm? I said you and Coleman should start a support group. <laughs> support group. We we meet at a local cinema. Is that the idea? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, it's just this year. It's been a lot of there's a lot of life stuff. You know, fucking life. It's the worst. So um, that that just kept getting in the way. I don't know. It's cinemas are they just don't show stuff at the right time. Um, and they charge me money, which is a pain in the ass. Also, but, you and, and like- hey Hollywood, how about you start making better movies? Maybe we'll go. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, there, there you go. I, I started off um, in 2016 kind of like, I, yeah, I'm going to go to the cinema. I'm just going to go and see stuff, which is why I might be the only person in the world who saw Triple Nine in cinema. Um, if anyone wants to see uh, Kate Winslet doing a Russian accent, that's the movie. Um, it's, totally, it's a totally okay movie, um, and I, that's it. Um, but I saw it in a the theater with like six other people maybe and just sat there and it just happened and i don't remember much of it anymore more like um, triple less than nine tri- well there, there you go triple nine is a police code for an officer down that's important they did mm. some research on that shit um well this year you can go see triple x oh yeah well that's that is definitely on the cards um so this year my my new year's resolution that i think i'm gonna try and do is to watch more contemporary asian cinema because that's kind of it's, uh, that's kind of where I got my start. That was what first really got me into movies, was like Asian cinema, Takashi Miike, Takeshi Kitano, Kidok Kim, like Korean, Japanese, Chinese cinema. Um, and I feel like I, I used to know a fair amount about it, and at this point I'm just so out of the loop on so many of them. So th- that's that's what I'm going to try and do this year, just watch well, some more, you know, 2005 onwards Asian cinema. I think that uh, you and Coleman, uh, I don't think you guys should be hard on yourself for not accomplishing your your goals because um, <clears throat> I think that like I, I didn't I remember not going to the cinema for for months and uh, it seems like whereas um, 2015 like there were some decent blockbusters and or stuff sort of like here and there like spread throughout the year it seems like this year as far as like what's available to us it, it, like I mean. 
I guess if you're in sort of the smaller markets, um, it's all been sort of com- compounded like at the end of the year, and there really wasn't a lot to go see in the cinema for a long time. Yeah, it was definitely dark to it. Um, it's it's awkward. It's just kind of like things kept coming up. So I mean, I literally I drove all the way out to, and I had to go distance. Uh, like it was longer than usual. It was not my local cinema to go and see the Neon Demon. I drove all the way out there and literally got a text message as I was pulling into the car into the car park and notifying me I had to go and do something else. So it was just it was just that kind of year. So I still haven't seen the Neon Demon, uh, which people tell me is good. Uh, that I've not seen it, not that the movie is good, um, mm. but I'm going to watch it anyway because I love hate watching Nicholas Winning Riffin movies. So, well, I mean, it does it does raise an important question: What's better, watching the Neon Demon or driving like an hour away and then getting to the parking lot and then driving home? It That's kind of same it's kind of a good summation of watching the film itself. <laughs> So yeah, so so that's it. And and honestly, like Jake, I would like to try and write more. I used to vomit out a certain amount of words on pretty much everything I watched, and I've not been doing that ever since. So yeah, I should try and get back into that. If nothing else, because I've got a shitty memory too, and I don't remember anything about movies later on. Yeah. Unlike you guys who want to write more, I want to podcast more. So I thought that I would take this moment to uh, announce the... Uh, um, the new uh, Optimism Vaccine podcast that is my one man show. Oh yeah, yeah. Hudi or um, it's off to a great start. <laughs> Good work. Bullshit <laughs> artist. This going to be a fucking hit. I when to do that. It just turns into a spoonerism. <laughs> oh Jesus. What's what's your one man show? Hudi Hudi uh podcast cutie. The ice. I think that's a good idea. Uh, well, now we officially can't use that for the title because that's the fucking worst joke in the whole podcast. <laughs> that is probably the worst. <laughs> that's that's fucking terrible. Uh, yeah, my, well, yeah. You know, I changed my mind. My favorite uh, pop culture moment was when the the soundboard wouldn't work, but I could still hear it, and it was still on the recording, and I just like fucking oh, jammed on the for? button like, for everything. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna break. And now I got the ice is gonna break, which seems to be doing okay. Uh, Myros closes out here, man. What, what's your resolution? What was your resolution last year? Oh, first and foremost, I, I just gotta say to Jack, you're a real bullshit artist since you didn't say it about yourself. Uh, well, yeah. I smell, I smell something worse than bullshit, Adam. <laughs> the ice. <laughs> ice. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I am also a bullshit artist, I must say. He's gonna I- break! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't do it anymore. I think my resolution was to get back into film, because I've been so TV-centric the last couple of years. And oh, yeah, I- did you watch Ace in the Hole? No, no Ace in the Hole. <laughs> God. You gotta watch it while Kirk Douglas is still alive. He turned a hundred this year. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be old as shit. Gotta get ahead of well, the curve, man. Twenty sixteen didn't take him. Respect the chin. <laughs> I think I did all right, but I'm still giving myself a bullshit artist grade here, largely because of uh, one certain project we undertook. So uh, that that's gonna be my resolution for 2017. Watch less fucking wrestling. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, I don't know about that. That's not a very I'm good resolution. Say, I, 
I think that we did uh, an unofficial group, well, semi group resolution, which was on the last uh, last year's podcast. We we said we got to do a Will Smith serious podcast, and twelve or like eleven and a half months later, we we did uh, the Will Smith uh, jumping the shark. That's pretty good. I mean, I'm glad that we completely forget the things that we say we're going to do, and then we do them anyways. That's that's yeah. That's called quality and organization. That's some of the things that we bring here. Synergy. So, who's not a bullshit artist? Are you guys all bullshit artists with your resolutions? No, no. Sean wasn't. Sean no, wasn't. Okay, Sean was good. Jake, Jake was good. No, I thought you weren't, Steve. Right? No, I'm not. I'm absolutely not. And Jake wasn't. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, we're split right three down the three. middle. Split. Okay. I was the least bullshit artist of them all. I would agree with. I would, that. I would argue that I wasn't. I probably went to the cinema more often than I did in 2015. Yeah, there you go. That sounds like some. Man. I only saw I one movie in the same. cinema. Yeah, to be fair, I, I also. Part two. Yeah, I saw some. I saw Sausage Party in cinema, so fuck yeah. that's why did I make it to the cinema for Myros, that? Myros, what what is your what is your new uh resolution? That's it. I got I'm cutting this wrestling down substantially. It's oh, eating God. my life. This is a de facto resolution. I like, it's getting better though. I like how you're you're what you're what are you, thirty two now and, and now all of a sudden professional wrestling has gripped your life and you can't get away from it. I also Beautiful. like how you're the only person whose resolution is gonna cut down on O V content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wait a jeez. <laughs> well, I think it could it could increase OV content when I'm not forced to watch wrestling for like seven to eight hours a week. What the easy review <laughs> going to come out? Did suddenly? you just say that we had to record another episode of the wrestling podcast like two days yeah, ago? Yeah, we got to get it done. It's got to be done. It'll, it'll get yeah. done. We're all we're all traveling to New Orleans next year, and, and we're going to go to WrestleMania together. Uh, we shouldn't be. Wow, Myros takes Bourbon Street. It'll be a great web series. Get some of the get some of those beignets. <laughs> Yeah, little fucking donuts. All right. Uh, if you like everything that you've heard tonight, and of course you did because we talked about the Greasy Strangler for like 30 minutes, uh, make sure you go to iTunes. Make sure you rate and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Helps us out a lot. Helps us with visibility. The more visible we are, the more people hear this, and uh, the more strangers can add me on Facebook. And that's that's really what we're looking for here. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at Optimism Vaccine. Uh, you can follow me at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C U F F. Coleman, where do we find you? At Colemania. That is at K O H L M A N I A. Yeah, Sean. M R G L I N I S. Ah, was that your name or something? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jake. Jake Tropila. J A K E T R O P I L A. All right, Jack. Where do we find you? You can find me at Effigy105. Well, yeah. I can spell that too if you need it. It's E-F-F-I-G-Y-105. <laughs> good job. Those are numbers at the end. Are, don't so spell d- don't spell them out? Okay, that's good no. to know. That will lead you astray. Uh, you can find Adam Myros with your stepdad kissing him on the mouth or on Friendster at... Uh, the ice <laughs> is gonna break! That's his username. All right. The ice. Oh god, it won't stop. Break. It's just on a loop. The ice <laughs> is gonna break. Oh boy. We got to We got to wrap it up. Oh god, it just Oh dear. Okay, wait. All right, we got to Guess he gets the last word there. Walkin'. Yeah, it looks like Walkin's got the last Taking word. Taking a cue out of Greasy Strangler's joke guide. Jeez. <laughs> just keep repeating. <laughs> Coleman, you got the last word. I'm just glad we didn't talk about stranger things. 
Tschüss.